0: Incluvy Movie Highlights for May 2022. This is the show where we shine a spotlight on our favorite new movies that stand out for diversity and identity and share our thoughts. From Incluvy.com, I'm Kathy Yee.
1: And I'm Hazel Bolivar. On today's episode, we'll showcase a guest highlight by Incluvy writer Terry Elam on the movie Alice. Then we'll cover three teen movies that explore a wide range of emotions and coming of age experiences. Those movies will be Sneakerella, Crush, and our featured highlight for the month, The Fallout.
0: But before we get into those, we're going to take a quick look at some notable new movies in theaters. biggest releases of the past month is the MCU's new Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness.
1: You may be wondering, what does this movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch have to do with diversity in media? Well, given that the film has an average Incluvy score of 3.9, the answer is, not nothing.
0: While I was watching the film, I was thrilled to see Wong again, Doctor Strange's best friend and the leader of the Commortage, played by Benedict Wong. Noble and charismatic through and through. I'm thankful he's still alive. I also loved America Chavez, played by Sochi Gomez. She's central to the story given her power to travel between universes. Even with such great power, I felt that her character wasn't used to her fullest potential. I know she's just a kid, but throughout the movie she was helpless until the very end. Her chat with Wong in Spanish, making fun of Doctor Strange, was also very funny. I didn't
1: watch this movie, so I don't know what you're talking about, but that does sound funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the film also stirred some interesting conversations within the writing team at Inkluvi, particularly surrounding Wanda Maximoff playing the role of the villain. If you found yourself on Wanda's side while watching this movie, definitely check out both Atreo Pellet and Delena's articles on the subject. And if you want a list of Easter eggs Kathy noted while watching, check out her article too on Inkluvi.com.
0: Also in theaters, I went out to see Nick Cage's new movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. It was going to be my one non-increvy movie, just for laughs.
1: I did not get the chance to see this one either, but I have
0: a feeling it wasn't
1: the greatest movie on earth for diversity.
0: It was actually surprisingly good. Chilean Chilean actor Pedro Pascal as Javi has a cute little bromance with Nick Cage. Also, Tiffany Haddish is in this movie for a brief minute.
1: I guess we'll take that. Did you like the movie overall?
0: I did. It was really funny and it had a lot of slapstick humor. It is definitely a fun, ridiculous movie to unwind with.
1: Maybe I'll go out and see it then. But moving on from what's new in theaters, let's get into our highlights for the month of May.
0: is a guest segment on Alice. The film stars Kiki Palmer and was written and directed by Kristen Verlinden. The story follows an enslaved woman named Alice who after running away through the woods learns that the year is actually 1973 after the Civil Rights Act passed well outside her enslaved reality. Including movie critic Terry Elam has a lot of thoughts on Alice and I wanted to bring her onto the show to ask her a few questions about it and how it resonates today. With that, I am happy to bring on to the show, Terry Elam.
2: Welcome. My name is Terry Elam, and I write film and TV reviews for Incluvy. And I'm here today to talk a little bit about the film, Alice. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: So when I was watching Alice, there was one scene that I would love to hear your thoughts on. It's after Alice escapes and meets a truck driver played by Common, who helps her learn about the world of the 1970s. When she's at his house, she reads through a plethora of books about the civil rights era and Black activism. And I would love to hear about your feelings
2: upon watching that scene and its meaning. And thinking about how I felt when Alice learned about the civil rights movement and that things were so different than she had known, um, there was a really moving scene where she's reading about the Emancipation Proclamation. Of course, it's 100 years or more after its first delivery by Lincoln. And she's really learning a painful lesson that she has been and is, in fact, free. And Kiki Palmer's tears, or Alice's tears at that time, are kind of like a baptism of fire, I think, between who Alice is and who she's becoming. I feel that using the black exploitation genre, Verlinden, the filmmaker, subverts the subversive in a way. She bridges Alice's enslavement on a plantation with discovering her true power. Now, historically, I've read the genre was considered exploitative, and I can see that. Um, I kind of see it also as that old saying: "I can talk about my family, but you can't." And I feel like um, Verlinden instead exploited the genre to tell a story about the evolution and revolution of Black freedom. Um, she kind of she gave us glimpses of Dinah Ross and Pam Greer, iconic images from covers of Jet magazine, which my family you know, uh, subscribe to We Got Weekly and Rolling Stone. And then there was Frank's attempt or Frank played by Common's attempt to, in my opinion, be like rerun from what's happening back in the day. And he was pop-blocking or trying to pop-block the Stevie Wonder's higher ground. Though not the best pop-blocker, Frank was Alice's astute resident historian, giving her a kind of black to the future, so to speak, quick-paced lesson blasting through slavery, Jim Crow, and Reconstruction straight to the Civil Rights Movement. And after watching it again recently, um, I, I see the genius in Allison's narrative arc. She was freed during the Black Power Movement, which followed the Civil Rights Movement. And in fact, in the film, the words of Malcolm X, Fred Hampton, and Angela Davis liberated Alice. Thus her becoming kind of a Get Christy Love or Foxy Brown, Type uh, where she donned the superficial representation of freedom and power, uh, which is an Afro. And ultimately, I think that is powerful. Um, Even after I revisit this film again and again, I'm finding more of the power in the moment and how the filmmaker did use Black exploitation as a vehicle to show that. Looking at this film
0: in today's context, I wanted to ask if you think something like what happened in Alice could possibly be happening today, or if that was just an extreme thought experiment.
2: I think uh, the more complicated, but quicker question to answer is, do you think a similar scenario like Alice could happen to today and to what degree? Um, honestly, I wish this movie was an extreme example. Um, if you'd asked me this question a few years ago, pre-Trump, let's say, I might've been naive enough to claim this could never happen today. And by it, I mean the 20th century enslavement of black people, but it really did happen in the 20th century in the U S and that's not long ago. I mean, Verlinden based her film on stories from, um, a nineteen, I think sixty-three, true event. But without even getting into deep into politics, uh, the scenario of Alice could easily happen in many ways. And what I mean by that, the story was really to me about the power and freedom of truth and knowledge. And um, Alice didn't know she was free, or even had the option to be free. So she was enslaved, literally and figuratively, for the first half of the movie. But thinking about how knowledge or the lack thereof is complicit in a lot of the quote unquote isms today, racism, sexism, homosexism, Um, you have, for instance, men making decisions about women's bodies using uneducated opinions as guidance. You have elected officials suppressing the votes of citizens who think differently than they do to remain in power. In a country where gay marriage is currently legal, you know, have states battling corporations because they use the word gay, not to mention, you know, the history of race, but particularly in the US being suppressed and limited this, this education being suppressed and limited, which is what happened to Alice. I mean, they are literally banning books in the 21st century. And thinking about that scene where I think Alice was reading Anna Karenina and got a, kind of got caught by her, quote unquote, owner. I mean, think about that and think about that now, putting in context to banning books today. So I don't necessarily think Alice as a whole could happen today, but in a way, parts of it is still happening today.
1: Thank you so much, Terry, for sharing your perspectives on Alice with us. Terry also wrote a really excellent full review on the film, which you can find on incluvi.com. Alice is currently available to be bought or rented
0: on Video On Demand. Next on our list is Sneakerella. This Disney Plus film is a fun retelling of Cinderella, but with a gender bend twist. Chosen Jacob stars as Elle, a teenage boy in New York City who has a passion for designing sneakers thanks to his late mother, He works at the shoe store she opened, and is given a hard time by his evil stepfather and stepbrothers. While waiting in line for the coolest new shoe drop, he meets and quickly befriends Kira King, played by Lexi Underwood. She serves as the princess charming of the story, and is the daughter of famous former basketball player and sneaker creator Darius King, played by NBA champion John Sally. Throughout the film, we follow boy Cinderella L, along with his lesbian best friend Sammy, in a colorful, magical, and music-filled journey to prove to himself and the world that he is a talented designer.
1: This is definitely a light-hearted film that is appropriate and perfectly enjoyable for the whole family. In an interview with Celeb Secrets, John Sally celebrates the film for being, quote, a female empowerment movie, as well as a film that can give black children a way to see themselves without being stereotyped or pigeonholed. He looks to himself as an example, showing that just because he was a basketball player doesn't mean he couldn't become an actor, in a musical no less. Though I will say for me, the music didn't really stand out as much as I would expect from a Disney film.
0: What? Really? I love the music.
1: Okay, it's not that the music is bad. I enjoyed it. It's just that none of the songs really stood out as a real banger for me, you know?
0: But In Your Shoes was such a moving song about remembering his mother.
1: Okay, that one was very good. You got me there. And it points to the film having a really strong emotional core to it. One place where I saw that shined was in the stepfather character, who wasn't irredeemably evil. Reviewer Collier Jennings, writing for But Why Though, recognizes that, though the evil step-parent trope is common in so many movies... The stepfather is revealed to be working through his own grief over losing Elle's mother. This small change helps add more dimension to what's usually been a stock role. I think in many ways the small changes in characters make the film stand rather well on its own.
0: A lot of the changes to the classical cinderella story were really fun, aside from being gender-bent I enjoyed seeing the film take place in an accurately diverse New York City. I also love the Fairy Godfather character being a Latino man who tends to a garden and gives El and his friend a vintage car instead of a pumpkin carriage. All of these culminate to the film having a really cool style that may make the classic Cinderella story enjoyable for a modern audience.
1: Changes aside, I have seen critiques of Disney being a bit too comfortable making reboots of their old stories. Laura Cameron, writing for Wired, wrote in her article Sneakerella Proves Disney Needs to Try Harder that Disney should be, quote, putting its massive power behind new shows and giving them a chance to shine. I personally agree, and though I think Sneakerella is an enjoyable family movie, I do hope to see new Disney projects with equally diverse cast and crew being created that don't rely on old movies that have had their fair share of remakes already. Overall, I would rate Sneakerella a solid 4 out of 5 for its movie score, and for the Incluvy score, I would rate the film a 5 out of 5.
0: I would also agree with those ratings. I think the film earns a 4 out of 5 for the movie score for being a magical feel-good film. I would also give it a 5 out of 5 for the Incluvy score, for the cast, the gender bend, and for giving inspiring portrayals of young women and Black youth. Sneakerella is currently available to be streamed on Disney+. After a quick break, we'll move on to our last two highlights, crush and the fallout.
1: We all could use a little bit more time in our days. So why not save yourself a trip to the grocery store with Instacart? You're able to shop from your favorite retailers and have all of the ingredients you need for dinner, your favorite movie night snacks, and much more delivered to you in as fast as two hours. Everything is carefully hand-selected by a personal shopper based on your preferences. And now with contactless delivery, your order will be safely left at your doorstep. To get free delivery on your first order over $35, follow the link in the show notes to let Instacart know we sent you and help support the show. Instacart, never step foot in a grocery store again. Next on our list of highlights is Crush, a Hulu original film following a high school student who loves making art named Paige, played by Rowan Blanchard, who is accused of being the notorious King Pun, a vandal who creates amusing pun related graffiti around the school. To get out of being in trouble, she joins the track team in hopes of getting to know her long term crush, Gabriella, played by Isabella Ferreira. Paige, however, is assigned to be trained by Gabriella's twin sister, AJ played by Auli'i Cravalho, and finds herself in a big web of feelings and high school confusion. Also, this movie is quite simply very gay.
0: Gay indeed.
1: Supremely gay. Trademark.
0: The film is written by Kirsten King and Casey Rackham, both of whom are queer women. It is also directed by Sammy Cohen, who is also a queer woman. It's incredibly exciting to see queer filmmakers making stories for queer youth. Also exciting is a racially diverse casting. I was really happy to see the native Hawaiian Auli'i in the cast, known for voicing Moana, being a bisexual actress playing a bisexual character, especially as we come to the very end of AAPI Heritage Month and begin LGBTQ Pride Month.
1: As a side note, I do hope everyone had a happy AAPI Heritage Month. Did you get the chance to reflect on your heritage, Kathy?
0: I did. I got some boba, made two Asian friends, and reflected to the usual amount.
1: And soon I get to be proud to put the L and T in LGBT.
0: Just one more day.
1: No, I know I am still very much ashamed. Until then. Back to Crush, the casting overall is very diverse throughout, and the film doesn't shy away from playfully using tropes to add to the comedy of the film. For example, a scene that goes through the stereotype versions of lesbians that exist at the school, as well as the casting of gay actor Tyler Alvarez as an aggressively straight best friend character. At its core though, this film is a typical high school romance film, done very well, a review written on Auto Straddle by Annalisa recognizes that, quote, it's formulaic, but if the formula ain't broke, must we fix it? Isn't it enough for a movie to just be sweet and delightful? What does differentiate Crush, ultimately, is its queerness. I would say that the way the film presents queerness is great to see, because it's not about being unaccepted. Instead, it is set in a school that is mostly queer, the director of the film is quoted in a Huffington Post article as saying that she hopes Crush makes LGBTQ kids, quote, feel seen and celebrated, which I think the film achieves, and then some.
0: I also wanted to point out Paige's mother, played by Megan Mullally, being such a strong character who serves as a way to see a different family structure than what is traditionally presented. She's a single mother, by choice, who decided to go to a sperm bank and raise a child on her own. still prioritizing her sexuality. She's also really fun being overly open with her daughter and being very flirtatious with the school's track coach.
1: That plot was so gross in a fun way.
0: So gross. It really went into the teenage experience of being like ew gross mom.
1: Okay no but it was actually gross like bordering on foul. But you know what I love her character and her enthusiasm for safe sex
0: absolutely including writer terry elam also wrote about this movie and she notes crushes unlike most high school flicks i've seen lately or ever it represents an openly queer student body in the clear majority
1: oh i wish i went to that school honestly i feel that aspect of the film is what makes it such an important film today Especially during a time when there are a multitude of anti-LGBTQ bills being proposed and some even passing that specifically target LGBT youth. Take for example the Florida Don't Say Gay bill that passed and was rightfully met with much student protest. Crush perfectly humanizes queer youth who are often vilified and shows that a world where LGBTQ youth are not only tolerated but celebrated in is possible even if it doesn't always feel like it right now.
0: Along with being important, this film is also just plain fun. It's predictable at times, sure, but it brings out those crushed butterflies you feel. Overall, I would give Crush a movie score of four out of five. And of course I would give it an inclusive score of five out of five for starring Rowan Blanchard, Ali'i Carvalho and Isabella Ferreira for some Latina, Hawaiian and multiracial queer representation.
1: I completely agree. I, too, would give Crush a 4 out of 5 for its movie score and a 5 out of 5 for its Incluvie score. If you'd like to read Terry's full review of Crush, by the way, be sure to check it out on Encluvi.com. Crush is currently available to be streamed on Hulu. Our featured highlight for the month is a film that actually came out earlier this year and unfortunately has become very relevant today. Before we delve deeper into it, we do want to give a content warning for gun violence for this section of the podcast. We will not go into detailed descriptions of gun violence, but if you would prefer to avoid hearing about the topic, you may want to skip the rest of this episode. That being said, the film is The Fallout, which chronicles the experiences of a high school student named Veda, played by Jenna Ortega, after she survives a school shooting and explores the emotional toll that the event has on her and the impact it has on her relationships.
0: This film is exceptional. It's thoughtfully directed and performed to delicately present the nuanced emotions that arise after experiencing trauma. It's honestly incredible that this is Megan Park's directorial debut because every piece of this film feels masterfully done. In an interview with Slash Film. Park goes into the many ways in which she carefully considered the aspects of the film, starting with perhaps the most difficult aspect, the presentation on screen of the school shooting. The film's school shooting scene is contained to a bathroom stall where Veda and popular girl Mia hide, joined by a young boy named Quentin, finding refuge. Park notes that, for the bathroom stall scene, it was important to me that we stayed in that bathroom stall and we did not show anything outside of it even when people were giving me notes otherwise, i.e. not the shooter or shooting itself.
1: There is an attention to detail and a carefulness that guides the direction of the film, but it's not too careful to not tackle difficult emotions and topics. If anything, it allows the cast to more deeply explore the complexity of what they are depicting. An article by InStyle also shows that Park gave Ortega a fun take for each scene, allowing the actress to do whatever she wanted. Ortega also recounts that she never really had the opportunity to show such range or get to know a character so well. This definitely shows because the vulnerability on display in this film is so moving.
0: Beta's character is outstanding. And I also fell in love with Mia's character, the popular girl, played by Maddie Ziegler. She's the cool dancer who lives in a big house, but she is presented in a very vulnerable way. We learn that she has two fathers who are busy traveling for work, and they're not there for her to process the school shooting trauma. There's a loneliness that is felt, and makes the relationship between her and Veda so compelling. Exploring what it means to face trauma with someone, and how the large feelings that accompany can be so confusing.
1: Everything in this film is so carefully thought out. Even Veda being portrayed as a half-white, half-Latina young woman is made relevant within the plot of the film. Every relationship in the film develops beautifully, from Veda's relationship to her little sister, her parents, her therapist, and the students and friends she went through the trauma of a school shooting with. The film also doesn't make any simple conclusions about healing, and instead acknowledges that, healing isn't linear and is never really necessarily complete.
0: Given the recent tragedies in Uvalde, Texas, Laguna was California, and Buffalo, New York, I think it's essential that stories depicting the effects of mass shootings not take a simplistic approach to addressing these vast emotions. The fallout, I believe, is a perfect example of how artists can create works about trauma in a meaningful way. And hopefully bring more people to see how essential it is for action to be taken to prevent this gun violence
1: i completely agree honestly given its masterful direction and incredible performances i would rate the fallout a perfect five out of five for its movie score i would also rate the film a five out of five for its include score for how thoughtfully Megan Park wrote and directed this film to represent a diverse group of students.
0: There's really nothing negative I can say about this film. And I agree that it deserves a full five out of five for the movie score and a five out of five for the Incluvy score. The Fallout is currently available to be streamed on HBO Max.
1: That's our show for the month of May. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to join us next time for more Incluvy movie highlights.
0: Was hosted and executive produced by me, Kathy Yi, and co-hosted, produced, and edited by Hazel Bulimar. Additional research and writing was done by Bianca Sprocky. You can visit incluvi.com to see the Incluvi score for a movie and read reviews focused on diversity and identity in media. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram or support us on Patreon at Incluvi. That's I-N-C-L-U-V-I-E.